Welcome to Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents Making money moves with the finest of gents Come and pull up a seat cause we're proud to present How to make some good decisions when you're on the fence Rob and Steve gonna tell you how to do it the best Hello and welcome to another episode of Dollars and Cents with a couple of gents I am your favorite gent, Robert Wolfson And I'm Stephen Ellis And I only let you get away with that Rob because I said it last time Otherwise I would probably argue Well one would say that's very gentlemanly of you so one might say that I'm your most gentlemanly gent. You can be the favorite and I'll be the most gentlemanly. Okay, that's fair. That's, I'll accept that. That's a good trade-off. So Rob, our episode today is all about Easter. You just didn't know that. I did not know that. No, it's about Easter because we're going to talk about eggs. Oh, that's a good, good segue, Steve. Yes. So we're just getting through the uh, Easter holidays here and... What a great creative segue I just came up with because we're going to talk about eggs and specifically not having all of your eggs in one basket. Or as they would say on our side of the table, diversification. So Steve, do you know where the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket comes from? I believe I do, Rob. Not only because I actually just read it when we were doing our research, but also realizing it, it actually has a very literal origin to it. No, exactly. So the logic, if a farmer were to stumble while bringing the basket of eggs back from the hen house, they could end up with a messy situation, you would say. So the words of wisdom go well beyond farming. They also perfectly encapsulate the idea of not risking all of your money in one single investment. Right. So to draw a comparison between that literal definition and an investment scenario, if you've got a collection of investments, be it stocks, bonds, real estate, cash, etc., and we'll get into some more details on that later. And one or two of those investments go poorly. If it's all you own, then 100% of your portfolio has gone poorly. Whereas if it's just a portion of your portfolio, so again, to use the egg analogy, if it's two investments out of 24, uh, then obviously that has less impact on your overall situation. So to go back to the eggs, we've all gotten home before with a carton of eggs. Well, maybe it's just me. I don't know if you've ever done that, Rob. It's happened to me as well. Or you haven't checked them, right? And you get home and there's a broken one in there or two broken ones in there or what have you. But you still have, you know, be it 10 eggs left or 22 eggs left, depending on how many you've bought. So that's really diversification. So podcast over, episode over. Hey, Rob? That's, that's it. it. That's all you got to know. That's eggs. it. That's it in a eggshell. I was going to say nutshell, <laughs> but eggshell. <laughs> Very good. Very clever. Dad joke. <laughs> That's definitely a dad joke. The yoke was on you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> okay, so anyway, moving on. Before we get into how to diversify a portfolio and what that really entails, let's talk a little bit about why we would diversify. Rob, why wouldn't we just go out and buy one or even two investments? Why do we diversify yeah, that's a great question, Steve. And using the same egg analogy, the risk of cracking your nest, nest egg, it's um, it's all about trade-offs, Steve. It reduces an investor's exposure to a single stock, as you alluded to, or a single industry, or maybe even an investment option. It That can potentially cut a return, no doubt about it, because you can have a great return if you just pick the right stock or buy the winning lotto ticket as a, another easy analogy to, to think about. But you, there's also the risk of a bad outcome. So if you bought that one cracked egg, that's your whole return. So the, the whole point of diversification is to reduce that large gamble, diversify, 
so that you don't have that outsized bet that won't spoil your hopes and your retirement nest egg in the bigger picture. Right. So in short, Rob, it's risk reduction, right? We're looking at reducing risk. We're also looking at sort of smoothing out the ride or reducing volatility as well, right? That helps. Volatility, what that can do is it can have a negative impact on how we feel about our investments, the decisions we make. So by smoothing out that volatility, it also helps sort of control the emotional aspect of investing as well, which is really important. And we've talked a bit about that behavioral finance piece in the past, right? Helping smooth out that ride also helps with the decisions that we make along the way. So Rob, why don't we talk a little bit about how we go about diversifying a portfolio? Well, it all begins with asset allocation, Steve. In simple terms, that's how much percentage of your portfolio you have exposed to the different asset classes. So how much do you have in cash? How much do you have in stocks or equities? How much do you have in bonds or fixed income? You can add some alternative investments in there as well. Right. And as we've talked about in the past, Rob, asset allocation is a very significant determining factor in portfolio returns over the long term. Now, the question, Steve, is how much do you put into each of those asset classes? But that answer is different for everyone. Why are you investing the money? What are your goals for your money? When do you need the money for? So your time horizon for that particular investment, your own personal risk tolerance. So how do you feel about the volatility? Remember, asset allocation is about smoothing out the ride. It's not about maximizing returns because not each of those different asset classes are going to have the same different return profile depending on what's happening in the economy. So it's designed to be invested in a little bit of everything to smooth out that ride. Right. And I have seen some formulas and things in the past where you take an age, you know, 100, subtract your own age and all of these things. People have brought that up to me before. But I think it's important to really sit down and do a bit of a deeper dive in terms of asset allocation to look at what your goals are, what your time horizons are, and also look at the efficiencies of certain portfolios as well, because you've got to have reasonable expectations in terms of what return is based on what's happening out there, right? We've seen a period of time with extremely low interest rates, and that's affected people's asset allocation because there's going to be a strategic element associated with that as well. So again, it goes beyond just a simple formula. Right, so let's talk about another level of diversification, Rob. Let's talk about geographical diversification. So being that we're in Canada, we tend to be very loyal to our own country and the companies within our own country and our own stock market. But the reality is it only accounts for approximately 3% of the global economy. And on top of that, Steve, uh, our economy is very heavily weighted to three sectors, the financials, your energy stocks, and your base metal stocks. Right, and maybe our percentage of the global economy has ticked up more recently with energy prices coming up. Right. We'll have to maybe update that data. But still, the point is a very small portion of the global economy. It's also very important, Steve, when building out a diversified portfolio to make sure you have exposure to all of the sectors which we consume. So things like healthcare, technology, consumer staples, consumer discretionary. So you do need to go outside of Canada to get exposure to some great multinational companies that make their money and survive in those industries. Right. So you've sort of crossed over into the next stage of diversification. But the way that we need to get that in some cases and to be able to diversify sectors is to go outside of of our own home country to do it and to look globally for not just those sectors, but more availability in certain sectors as well. It's not suggesting we don't have tech in Canada, but we know that 
Tech is far more widely available in the U.S., for example. Healthcare might be another one where we'd look globally. Well, look at the kind of the two sectors that you just touched on, Steve, as a perfect example. Look what's driven our lives the last couple of years. Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Microsoft, Google on healthcare. Everyone's Lexicon, Pfizer, Moderna. These are all global companies. They're not domiciled here, but they're amazing brands, amazing companies. Right, so that's really it when it comes to geographical diversification. Just looking outside of your own borders, not just for opportunity, but for diversification as well. So Rob, you've already sort of made a segue to the next stage or step of diversification, and that's sector diversification. So you alluded to a couple of different sectors, technology, healthcare. Maybe speak to why it's important to look at different sectors when you're diversifying as well. That's an excellent question, Steve. And Again, real-life example, the last uh, year and a half or so, technology has driven our lifestyle, especially through COVID, through the pandemic. But now, people are getting back out there. People are returning to normal. So people are consuming more. So your consumer staple stocks, your consumer discretionary stocks, where you're going out and spending money again, traveling. Energy's been great lately, so it's really helped our uh, Toronto Stock Exchange, our domestic economy with all of our energy companies finally doing well also the last number of months. So you really just want to be invested in all these different sectors, which will do well based on what's happening out there in the real world and the economy. Right, and a bit of a byproduct of that is also having a bit of diversification in terms of growth versus value, right? So certain sectors and companies within certain sectors tend to have different profiles. So when you start talking about financials, financials tend to be better dividend payers than, say, a growth stock that might fall into the tech sector. So by diversifying within each sector, what you what you get as a bit of a byproduct is, you also get a little bit of diversification in terms of having value and having growth. And you can move that needle a little bit as well in terms of what you own and how much of it you own at different times based on what's happening out there. But again, different sectors tend to have different profiles from a growth versus value perspective. So we've been focusing on the equity side or the stock side of that asset allocation strategy, Steve, but we also take a look at diversification on the bond or fixed income side. You want to have exposure to your bonds, not only domestically in Canada, but also internationally as well. So some American bonds, some global bonds, because different countries around the world have different interest rate policies, different rates that they pay on their government bonds or their corporate bonds. So you can look outside of our borders and get higher yielding fixed income, lower risk investments, just by going outside of our borders. Right. Of course, diversifying bonds is important geographically, but it's also important to diversify the types of bonds you have and the credit quality associated with those bonds as well. So we can go into an entire episode on bonds and credit quality, but just look at diversifying them, looking at some good quality government bonds, some corporate bonds, and maybe even looking at high yield So having different credit quality tends to impact the yield associated with those bonds. And that's important to look at as well from a diversification standpoint. So let's jump back to equities again. One of the other things you can look at is the market cap associated with with different equities. So you'll often hear people refer to stocks or equities as large cap, mid cap, small cap. And that really, in general terms, 
helps define the risk associated with the company. If it's bigger, it's deemed to be less risky or more value oriented, to go back to that analogy. Something that's a little bit smaller cap might be deemed to be a little bit more on the riskier side or more growth oriented. That's obviously not always the case, but again, as a general rule, if you're looking at things, uh, that's a good starting point. There's one other asset class, Steve, which is beginning more attention over the last number of years. If, if I should say it's a bit of a newer asset class, it's not really, but more attention is being focused on it, is what we call alternative investments. And really all that means is types of investments which are not as correlated to general moves in equity markets. So things like commodities, like gold, precious metals, things like real estate, infrastructure, and even really new is cryptocurrency. We don't do a lot in that, but it's definitely considered one of those alternative forms of investments. So it's definitely we are adding, even in our own portfolios, a small sliver exposure to these alternative investments just to hedge out that risk of equity market movements. Right. And I think one of the reasons that we look at alternative investments is, is we're looking at investments that are not too highly correlated to the overall market. And I think that brings up a good point is when you're diversifying, what you're essentially trying to do is reduce risk. So correlation is really a factor in that, right? So we used to see a lot of portfolios that had a lot of overlap. So owning all five Canadian banks, for example, maybe you own two or three US banks. So the portfolio can be very, very highly correlated. And I think if you're looking at diversifying, what you want to look at is creating a portfolio that is not too highly correlated, right? But at the same time, not too negatively correlated. What you don't want to do is essentially cancel out the return you're getting. So you're trying not to buy things that are sort of on the opposite ends of the spectrum, where if one is doing well, the other is doing equally poorly, if that makes sense. You're <laughs> evening out flat, basically. You're evening out flat. So, so that ultimately does not accomplish what you want to accomplish, which is diversifying the portfolio or just neutralizing it. So that's something to consider as well. And again, talking to your advisor, be it Rob or myself or someone else, should have a good idea of, of what the correlation in a portfolio looks like. So Steve, some of the listeners out there may not have the size of portfolio to go out and buy all these different things individually to create a properly diversified portfolio. But that's okay because there's multiple ways to do it, even in smaller quantities and increments. So things like asset allocation funds or even balance funds, as we call them, where you're getting a one-stop shop, where you're getting a diversified portfolio in one line and one ticket for as little or as much as you want to invest in. So you can have a a 60-40 balance fund, an 80-20 balance fund. So 60% stocks, 40% bonds or 80-20. And within those asset classes, they're going to be diversified, as we explained. You can do that in mutual funds, or you can also do that in exchange-traded funds. You can go buy an ETF that basically invests in every stock in the Toronto Stock Exchange or the S&P 500, and you're getting it in one unit. So there's definitely ways to diversify your portfolio. You don't need to have a large portfolio where you need to buy everything individually. You can do it in smaller one-stop shop alternatives as well. Yeah, Rob, that's a great point. And I think, you know, as time has gone by, there are more options out there for that type of investing. So I think there's lots of options for anybody that's looking to invest to be very well diversified. And Steve, we can even drill down using the fund or exchange traded fund option too within sectors. So say you want to buy healthcare, 
but you don't know which healthcare stock to buy, you can just buy a healthcare sector specific mutual fund or exchange traded fund. So the same example goes in every sector as well, not just the broader market indices. Right. You may have a portfolio that is comprised of individual stocks and you may be missing a certain sector, right? Or don't have any conviction in one particular company within that sector. And it's a way to get exposure to that sector, right? Without buying the individual companies. So you can have individual stocks and you can have a healthcare ETF built into the portfolio, right? Or a way to overweight that particular sector if you feel that it makes sense to do so again based on some tactical decision making and some economic factors. So in other words, Rob, there's really lots of options. The key really is to be diversified. So I want to talk about something, Rob, before we sign off, and that's you know, a lot of people have brought up to me over the years about being diversified and feeling that working with different advisors or different firms is a way to be diversified. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think it's important. I think that there certainly are some benefits in doing that. And I don't know that it necessarily falls under diversification because it can work against that in some ways when we talk about correlation, right? You've got two advisors that could be buying the same thing for you, but could also be working against each other in terms of what they are, are buying or selling. I think the key is, is that you know, if that's providing you peace of mind, comfort, I think there's something to be said for that. But I also think that it can have some some negative factors. I've just alluded to one, but I also think some congruency in the planning process can sort of fall by the wayside by doing that. So, you know, if you're out there listening and thinking that one way to be diversified is to have several advisors as opposed to just one, I think it's worth sitting down with those advisors and having that discussion and and talking about what might make sense for you and if that's actually accomplishing what you're setting out to have it accomplished for you. So Steve, so I think that about wraps up our conversation on diversification and even listeners of this podcast, you have two gents to choose from. So we're diversified in our opinion. Who's diversified in our opinion? The The listener? The listener. The people. (laughs) The people. The people are diversified. I don't know if they are or not. Yeah, they may all think you're the favorite. We don't know. No, I think you have lots I think, of fans out there. I think ignorance is bliss, though. I think we'd rather not know. Don't you? I don't I, think we I should go out and do a survey. No. Right? You're my favorite gent. You're my favorite gent. Well, so right there, go. it's already a tie. 50-50. 50-50. Let's leave it at that. Okay. That sounds good. So thanks, as always, for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. And as always, we're looking for content. We, Steve and I, we try to think of things that you want to listen to, things that you want to learn about, but we're always looking for ideas. So if you have a topic that you want us to shed some light on, please reach out to us. Let us know. Yeah, send us an email. Give us a call. Find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on our website, which is lsfinancialgroup.ca. And of course, all of the previous episodes are listed there as well if you haven't listened to all of them. Yeah, subscribe and rate the podcast. Except if you hate it, then don't. But then why would you be listening? All jokes aside, again, we really appreciate you listening. We enjoy doing this, as I'm sure you can tell. And again, just want to bring the best content to the listener that we can. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your family. Let them know about your favorite gents. Speaking of which, as always, I am Stephen Ellis. And I am Robert Wolfson. And we are a couple of gents. And we'll talk to you again soon.